Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson with you, as I often am here on the show, with a little preview of what is coming up later on. For our inbox, we have a listener who's wondering if it's wise for singles to watch romantic movies. Is doing so good for our hearts or not? So I'm going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, our own Esteban Porras is part of the Focus on the Family Hispanic broadcast and ministry here. And uh, he's going to share about the amazing move his family made a little over a year ago to America and also offer some thoughts for reaching the Hispanic community and uh, really what is going on in marriage and family um, in that culture. And so great inside info there. Well, here we are for our roundtable. And I've got Georgia, John, and Emerson here. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Hello. Hello. Uh, So we're going to talk about identity today and specifically how not to find your identity in things like your work, your relationships, your hobbies, which I think given the social media climate and everything else that's going on, it's very easy to do because... If you feel good about anything you're doing, just compare it to someone else and you can feel pretty bad pretty quickly. So (laughs) I think we've all been there and, uh, you know, you're all of a sudden you're weighing like, okay, how old am I now? Where am I in life? What am I doing? Where should I be? Where are my friends? Um, I've even had conversations with my nephews around this who are kind of comparing themselves to their college classmates of like, well, now they already bought this new car and they're moving into this apartment and whatever. So it can be rough rough, you guys. So let's start out by just kind of getting real in this conversation. And what would you say is kind of the biggest competitor for you on placing your identity in something versus in Christ? What kind of is your biggest struggle, the thing that you kind of place up to the mirror most often? Mine is probably, and it's funny because it's changed a little bit over time because in college it was definitely relationship status. Hmm. Had a lot of friends who got engaged and eventually got married. So that was a big one for that season. Now it's honestly more so my free time and my hobbies and also work. So I've gotten pretty passionate about some of my hobbies, like fantasy sports, like reading, even going on hikes and such. And I love having the free time to be able to do those things. Okay. Because you love like um, checking things off lists and having goals. So he's got his 14er list here in Colorado of mountains he has to climb. He's got his book lists of books he's working through. Which almost gets an edition every other day. (laughs) Okay. So um, yeah, that's definitely, you could see like hashtag goals right there. Okay. Emerson, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. For me, the biggest competitor for my identity uh, would be what other people say about me Mm -hmm. or how uh, I think they think about me. It's a very weird loop, but uh, I feel like there's this like Emerson brand that I need to uphold and how people <laughs> see me as like a man of character rather than how God truly sees me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Good point. Georgia. I would say either relationships as in what do my friends think about me? Am I being invited to enough things? Are people asking me to do things with them and or status? And that kind of looks like the status of marriage, having kids or moving up in the workplace. Do I look like I'm growing? Do I look good? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for me, so that I don't take up the rest of our time talking about the varied uh nature of many of the things, but one that immediately comes to mind is competence. Competence is something I place a high value on. And so I'm constantly thinking to myself, oh, 
did I do that right? Did I do that enough? Is that like, you know, am I perceived as someone who knows something or is successful in something or can do something? And that's kind of like a, a little hamster wheel that's hard to get off, I think, on, mm-hmm. on a number of different levels. So, um, okay, well, let's talk about, because here we can venture easily into what's expected of us as Christians and often even what we say in Christian circles and, and can sometimes be cliches, um, specifically this idea that like, you know, well, what about your relationship with God? Shouldn't it come first? Well, what does that mean to you? Because we'll say, of course, we're going to say, of course, our relationship with God comes first. But does it really when you manage like the amount of headspace, you know, that's taken <laughs> up by other things? Or mm-hmm. does it, I mean, to Emerson's point, like, Clearly, he's worrying about what other people think of him. So he's not only worrying about what God thinks of him. So what do you think that practically means to keep him first when all these other things are competing for space? I had to really chew on that particular question before we did this roundtable. And I came up with two different questions that I really try to ask myself on a daily basis, because if I'm being honest, it's not always easy to put him first. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of competitors for my heart, but something I wrote down, the first question is, where am I finding my joy? Mm -hmm. Is it in my relationship with God or is it primarily in something else that's honestly an idol that needs to be um, removed Mm -hmm. is one. And then another is who's ultimately influencing my decisions. Am I making decisions based on what I feel or am I making decisions based on even what I want sometimes? Because we all have temptations where we want to go a certain direction, but if we're really studying the scripture and we're really praying, we know, wait a minute, God's not influencing me to make that decision. He's calling me to like, let's say maybe I'm upset at somebody And I really want to lash out and get mad and start gossiping. But God is telling me, no, you need to pray for them. Mm -hmm. That's a big one that I look at and go, okay, I need to ultimately putting God first is going to be deciding what he wants me to do over my own will sometimes. Yeah, totally agree. That's a great place to start, JP. Um, I think as believers, we don't have to like over spiritualize this with putting God first because that can almost appear as something like, hard to grasp, right? Mm -hmm. But if you compare it to any other relationship, what does it look like to put your wife first or your kids or your family or your friends? It would mean submitting your own desires or your own wants and needs for the other person's desires and wants and needs. And so what it looks like with God is the same thing. What does God want for you and for your life? And how does he want me to glorify his name over my own desires and wants and needs? Or how can I bring my desires to be what God wants for my life. Yeah. And it's interesting because we, you know, as you're saying that, I think to myself how often we say that and we say that we want that, but then God tells us to do something and then we're like, okay, but hold up. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're like arguing with him and we're like, well, maybe he didn't really say that or what that means. But yeah, Georgia, go ahead and weigh in. Yeah. I think for me, the most tangible way that I've been seeing this in my own life is going to him first before going to other people, like when I feel stressed or afraid or when something is going on at work or just in my personal life, um, I have a tendency to go to other people because I like to be reassured. I like to have that physical reassurance of someone telling me, like, it's going to be okay. But I've been really convicted lately of going to him first. And I know that kind of seems, again, one of those things where you say it and I feel like Christians, it's one of those things where it's like, well, have you gone to God first? But it's like, No, really, like, who am I talking to first above all things, and who am I asking to speak into my life when I feel 
these different emotions? Am I going to my friends to be reassured or am I going to the father to have him speak into those things? Mm -hmm. So that's a good segue into the question I was going to ask about relationships, because I feel like when it comes to relationships, we would like to think that every relationship we have is a two-way street and it's super healthy and whatever. But how many times have we caught ourselves thinking this relationship just really isn't working. And then, of course, the next two words that follow are for me. <laughs> and so we <laughs> tend real. to look at relationships, whether it's someone we're dating, whether it's a friendship, whether it's in our family, as very transactional. And like, what are we getting out of this? What is this? You know, is this giving me joy? Is it something that and not to say, like, we should be used and abused and we should just be like flat out, like, you know, being in unhealthy stuff. But how do you guys balance your relationships and thinking through what does it look like to really be giving in a relationship, you know, and and really be others focused and someone who is going to be a conduit of God's love and mercy to other people while still maintaining, you know, healthy structure and boundaries in, in putting God first and otherwise? That's such a good question. It's honestly something I've been very convicted of and thinking about a lot since the start of this year. I had a friend encourage me. I shared this a couple of weeks ago on the show that I had somebody encourage me not too long ago that, hey, whatever God gives you, remember that every blessing he gives you is not just for you. It's to bless somebody else. Hmm. And I think um, this actually happened to me very recently where I was given an award at work and I was very thankful to get that award. But as the praise and the accolades were coming in and so many people were giving me compliments and saying, hey, well-deserved, good job, there was a temptation to think, oh, man, this feels so good. But I had to remember, wait a minute, God's calling me, even with this award that I've been given at work, to somehow, and I'm honestly still trying to figure out some of the practicals of this, how can I use this to bless other people? How can I use it to encourage others and I think practically something that helps a lot just in conversations is before telling everybody what's going on in my life is, hey, asking a question. Mm -hmm. What's going on in your world? How can I be praying for you? How can I be um, thinking about you in the coming days before I get consumed with, oh, here's all the great things that are going on in my life? Yeah. Just saying, OK, wait a minute. What's going on in your world? Yeah. It's so interesting you say that, John, because I was I've thought about this, too, because, you know, you think of the way the unique ways that people are gifted mm -hmm. and giftings are from God. You know, we can develop skills right. and stuff like that, but giftings are from God. And it's so it's so ridiculous to me when I start thinking to myself like, oh, you know. It's really so great that I'm good at this. You know, I mean, because I'm just like, OK, now, really, because then the other antidote to that is let's talk about what I'm not good at, because those things, even though I don't want to put them in a bulletin or something, are very obvious as well. And one great example is just last weekend, my roommate basically did my taxes because I knew and she jumped in and she was like, she just owns that. Okay. And I'm like, I was just running around like a crazy person gathering my papers. And that was like my sole job. And then she's just like all putting it down like a boss, you know? And I'm like, that is a great example of where all the times people say, Lisa, you're so good at this. And you're so good at this. I can remember that God hasn't gifted me in everything. And thank right. goodness, because there are other people who do things amazingly that I can't do. So yeah, that's a good point, John. Bouncing off of that, Lisa, service to me in relationships looks a lot like humility. Mm -hmm. um, if 
we acknowledge that we're not the best in everything. Like you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. There, Sure, there are things I'm great at that the Lord has blessed me in. Um, but there are also things I can work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then viewing the other person as equally valuable in the eyes of God. Uh, and then returning to what Christ has done for us, that can be our, and it has to be our strength to serve others. Mm-hmm. Um, the example is Christ, right? Who gave us himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he came and died for us, right? Philippians 2 is a great place to go if you're looking for, to learn about humility, right? Or uh, I believe it's in Mark where it says, you know, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ is the one we have to return to for strength to serve others because more often than not, we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Dr. Danny Huerta always says, are you a consumer in a relationship or are you a contributor? And I think one of the most powerful prayers that I've been praying is to have the Lord reveal when I am being a consumer in my relationships. And it has become evident to me more and more when I'm having conversations or when I'm hanging out with my roommates where I tend to be a consumer and where I tend to be a contributor. And it's allowed me to just be able to see those things and ask the Lord to continue to correct those things and convict me of that. Um, not so I can feel shame for being a consumer, because I think we all consume in relationships. We all desire to be desired. We all desire to be served. But it's been a good way for me to learn how to be a better contributor to my friends and my family members and my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, let's talk a couple of minutes about both work and hobbies as a source of identity, because it seems like a weird thing to even say that because they're so outside of ourselves. And honestly, like, who even wants to talk about work? I mean, why do we get so like into this? Like, it, it always amazes me. I mean, and now granted, there are some people who just love their jobs. And there are some people, you know, where it's really a calling. And of course, you know, I love my job. I love the people I work with. But it is so funny when we're like, oh, man, you know, that's just the biggest thing about me. And I'm like, okay, that's probably not a good thing. Or, you know, hobbies. And I feel like especially those of us who live in Colorado, there are people that move to our state for the sole purpose of pursuing hobbies and outdoor pursuits and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So it is a fascinating concept. But where would you guys see this playing out a lot, both personally and in others, you know, and conversations that you're in? Well, something that helps me from keeping my work and hobbies from consuming me and overwhelmingly, I I guess, influencing my identity uh, would be to remember why I have them. Like, what's the purpose of my work? My work is worship for the believer. That's the truth. Uh, and same with the hobbies, too. Scripture tells us whether we eat or drink, we do it unto the glory of God. Whether I'm sewing this mitten or, or even playing video games. Uh, I, I, I want to see those mittens, <laughs> Emerson, that you've sewn. Sure. <laughs> I am. I, I think as a believer, I'm encouraged to take every thought captive mm-hmm. and to to be intentional with the time I'm spending, uh, this mist of a life that we have, uh, that my work and my hobbies are dedicated to my God. Mm-hmm. A big one for me is definitely keeping myself accountable with my attitude when I'm in the middle of, say, a work assignment or in the middle of a hobby. Mm-hmm. There have been, I mentioned earlier that I enjoy hiking. There have been a couple of times when I was out hiking and the weather got really bad mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to summit that day. I, I remember one time it was because of too much snow and another time was because of cloud cover. And, I mean, it's tough when you put in a full day's effort and you want to go out and hike and then all of a sudden bam, the weather gets in the way, and then you're not able to summit that day. And 
those moments I really have to ask myself, okay, am I going to let this ruin my day or ruin my weekend? Or am I going to say, you know what, Lord, there's people in my life right now who sadly, because of physical injuries and such, can't even walk right now. I'm thankful for this opportunity you gave me today. And every step that I took was a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so it really goes back to, am I going to be thankful for the opportunities that God gives me and even learn from those opportunities where things didn't go quite the way I wanted them to? Or am I going to pitch a fit and then get all upset and <laughs> mm-hmm. get mad. Even if nobody else sees what's going on inside of me, God still sees my heart. Mm-hmm. So that's an area that I have to really guard myself in for sure. I think with work being in the creative sphere, I always find my identity and I struggle with this, finding my identity in the work that I produce. Because if somebody looks at my work and says it's bad, I always feel like that's a direct reflection on me and that they're saying I am bad or I am not worthy because the work that I created was not what they wanted or, or, you know, in that sphere. And I think even in college, when I was a part of different organizations, you know, how I led, if if how you lead gets called into question or if um, the group that you're leading doesn't produce what was wanted doesn't go well. You know, there's all these things that if you create things that people call into question, you can feel like your identity is wrapped up in that. And I think I just have to remind myself that if all of that was stripped away, if my title of being a content producer was stripped away, or all these creative things that I can do stripped away, who am I? And Mm -hmm. I think that's where you have to call into question, like, Lord, am I Am I seeking you first? Is my identity in you first? Or am I allowing all these other things to make my identity be built up into I'm a creator or I am, you know, someone who makes people laugh or that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting because I think especially for single women and you guys can tell me if this is true of men, but I feel like it's more of a level playing field for you guys. But this idea of like, say you're sitting around at church, like if single women are going to contribute something to the conversation at church, it's probably going to have to be about work because if everyone else is talking about their husbands and their kids, like what are we going to weigh in with, you know? And so it's kind of like women, it's very easy for us to fall into that trap of getting identity from our work or from our jobs and feel like, well, you know, I'm not like raising the next generation. So I guess I better show something for myself by talking about my job or or whatever. And I think a a lot of women could get into that churn and feel like that's what they have to say in order to feel like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing something with my life or whatever, which is, of course, just a lie of Satan, you know, that we're, again, comparing um, ourselves to others. And so, yeah, it's interesting. It's a it can be a trap. I do feel like that's definitely true. Yeah, I feel like there are sometimes where over the summer I thought I have to really build up all these hobbies because <laughs> mm-hmm. so many people were getting into relationships or had just gotten married. And I was like, um, I've been <laughs> hanging out with my dog. And and as yeah. much as being a dog mom is a great personality trait, I don't want that to be my identity. <laughs> so I was like, I guess I need to become like a comedian, a book reader, a cook, a chef, like a baker, and I'm going to start pickling onions, and then that will make me very yeah. cool. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. I get it. I get it. All right. Um, 
Yeah, it was funny because I was just thinking along the lines of the hobbies, too, how I think sometimes FOMO can play into it because mm-hmm. I have now got in the back of my head that at some point as the weather gets better, I better try pickleball because who hasn't <laughs> at this oh, yeah. point? It's and I'm just fan. so like, unless I'm going to be full on grandma status, I better figure out what this is about. <laughs> no, tennis isn't good enough because that's so old school. Yeah. So it is really funny how everyone's talking about it. And now I have friends who are on leagues and they've gotten trophies. <laughs> And I'm just like, can you get pickleball trophies? I guess so. So, yeah, it is funny how we it, there's always something there lurking behind, you know, for us to to compare ourselves to. And so such great points, you guys. Well, I think this is a good conversation for us to think in all of these different spheres about the ways that, you know, and it's not like um, not everything will be the same snare for every person mm-hmm. and not at every season of your life. You know, th- those will change. And so, again, we have to really lock in to God's word and what he says about us and what is true about us. Um, you know, I, I like that. Uh, in fact, I interviewed um, a guy years ago on the concept of what is the truest thing about you and that is exactly what God defines you as and so that's where we start with our plumb line so you guys thanks so much for weighing thank in for having thank us. you thank you Lisa your love is so deep your love is so wide it stretches so far and reaches so high oh this love you have for me my fear in all of my doubt your love is enough it never runs out oh this love that makes me sing there is nothing Folks, here we are for this week's culture segment, and it's always fun when we can introduce you to one of our own. And so this week is no exception. You know, we bring in people as experts from all across the ministry, from Boundless, from Focus on the Family, and beyond. And today, I want to introduce you to Esteban Porras. Hey, Esteban, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. Very good to have you here. Okay, he is, I don't even know how he keeps up with all of this, because he's got, he's he's gigging, okay? In addition to working for Focus on the Family, where he is um, senior producer, I think, for Enfoque yes. a la Familia, right? For our Spanish uh, language broadcast. Uh, he is a family counselor. He's a financial advisor. Obviously, he produces and he speaks and whatnot, and um, is very much involved with we're kind of glad that we have him here on site now because did you grow up in Costa Rica? Born and raised in Costa Rica. Okay, I've only been there once, but you guys, if you ever get there, it is a great place to be. Wonderful people, 
The people are good. The food is even better. Okay, I'm going to be no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> They'd be on par with one another. So um, such a beautiful, beautiful country and uh, the great work that you're doing with Enfoque as well. So we're going to talk today a little bit about your work with Enfoque as well as just kind of your background and some ministry that you do in a lot of different spheres. So I want you to kind of start out, um, Esteban, by telling us kind of about growing up in Costa Rica, about like your own faith journey a little bit and your family, because you're actually, your family is very much involved in in work here as well. Yeah, so thanks again for having me here. Uh, Born and raised in Costa Rica, food is great, Mm -hmm. people are great, Mm -hmm. but what I love the most is the East and West Coast. You have the warmest weather and, and it's great to have been born and raised in Costa Rica. So I grew up in a Christian home, my my dad, uh, pastor later became the voice for uh, focus on the family in Spanish mm-hmm. after Dr. Dobson. Mm-hmm. And after hearing him preach for like, what, 18, 19 years, I've decided to take that faith that he has and my mom had uh, for my own. Hmm. And I started believing in Christ and gave my life and fully dedicated to him when I was 19. And then I started the church. Uh, I didn't know it was a church. Uh, I just wanted to share the gospel with my friends, and that has been always in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, it became a church, and then we planted an- another church. It was just a bunch of college students that maybe we didn't know what we were doing. We were all broke, but <laughs> God has been giving us since that time rented space that we didn't have to pay anything for it. Like crazy numbers for a Costa Rican country, $20,000 a month hmm. in rent payment that we couldn't do. The owners just told us, like, we're not spiritual, but we know that you're doing something good for for youth in our country, so Mm -hmm. you can have the keys to all of the building. And that was crazy. So that's that's the environment that I grew up in, Mm -hmm. environment of faith. Of course, it hasn't been easy. Uh, Later, I met my wife. Uh, We served together, uh, and I've been married for almost six years. I have a beautiful baby girl. Mm. I love sushi, and I came to (laughs) the United States uh, in Colorado like expecting to have the same food that we have in Costa Rica. No, it's totally different, but I love the American food. I love being here, and I work right now as a senior producer at Enfoque a la Familia. That's the Hispanic ministry of Focus on the Family, and yeah. and it's been great. It's been a, a journey coming to uh, Colorado Springs, and I love what we do here. It's just our hearts is for the families, mm-hmm. sharing the gospel, but also using marriage, parenting, uh, faith topics, just to tell them, like, hey, everyone has struggles. The American family has struggles. The Hispanic family has struggles. It's almost yeah. pretty much the same. That's great. And that's what we do here. Good. Well, I want you to talk a little bit about how you meet some of those needs and some of the ministry. But first, I want to back it up. I'm cracking up because, you know, you said you love the beaches. You said you love sushi. I was a little nervous there for a minute because you sounded like you were filling out a dating profile. But you did <laughs> you did clarify by saying you're ma- married and have a baby girl. So that's good. Sorry, ladies. Okay. That said, talk to us about what, as you are meeting and ministering to those in the Hispanic community, both internationally and then obviously now stateside, what you've seen here, what are some of the biggest felt needs of specifically young adults in that community? Yeah, so we started serving in Foque La Familia in Costa Rica, just serving the Latin American countries. And then when we came to the U.S., we were tasked with 
how about you reach all the Hispanics here in the U.S.? And we're like, okay. <laughs> small that's, job. Yeah, small yeah. <laughs> job. Almost 20% of the, of the U.S. population in a few years, 62 million Hispanics. Mm. So 80% of them, uh, they claim to believe in something. Mm. And when we thought about the task, we say, where are we currently being invited to? Because that's a principle that we have at Enfoque La Familia cherished. We're only going to go wherever we're invited. And the Lord has opened so many doors in so many churches. And my dad, who's still preaching and being the voice of Enfoque La Familia 25 years later, he told us and, and the team, we have a big task, but remember the Hispanic family has the same struggles than the South American family, Central American family, even the American family. But the thing is, the Hispanic family is broken, at least when, the his, when you see the history of the Hispanic family inside the United States, there's immigration in that process. An event occurs in the family that involves separation, and that's hurtful. Maybe the dad came, but they left the wife and the kids behind, or maybe the mom came, or maybe the dad and one of the daughters or sons. So the Hispanic family that came here to the U.S., at least at the beginning, by design, and, and that's very hard to say, it's broken. Mm. So you have to teach the, the dad, the mom that's over here that maybe has been part of this immigration process that they can still build a healthy family, even though they might be apart. Mm -hmm. And now when the kids come and the, when the rest of the family comes, dads and moms, you have to be able to teach your kids and teach their history and also culture but you have to learn that your kids are going to start speaking better English than you. Mm -hmm. And that's where resources like Boundless and other resources that we have a focus on the family is so necessary. Because uh, Gen Z millennials, most of them have started to speak English way better than their parents over here. Mm -hmm. And just reaching out to the Hispanic family, learning that there are broken families like everywhere in the world. But also, uh, how do you reach a bilingual family and, and meet their needs. Yeah. So that's part of the task. And we totally love the task because um, we're part of that process. We immigrated from Costa Rica. It's not funny, especially when, you're, when you sold your house, you bought a new house, thinking that you were never going to come because of this 2020 thing that happened in the middle of it. <laughs> and then um, you have a baby. You have tons of stuff happening at the same time. And then you move to the U.S. Yeah. So that's crisis. Mm -hmm. And many of the families that moved to the U.S. are in the middle of crisis. Yeah. They, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how they're going to make their ends meet. Mm -hmm. So we have a voice to say to the Hispanic family, like, we're with you in this. Mm -hmm. we, un we totally get you, but let's hold God's hand and also let's learn the family principles that we need to keep building yeah. in our homes. So let's talk a little bit, Esteban, about, um, so you're talking right now to largely 20-somethings, some 30-somethings yeah. who listen to Boundless. Many aren't married yet. Yeah. Where do you see the parallels? I mean, the assumption is that the Hispanic family places a high value on family. Yeah. 
and um, that togetherness and whatnot. But are you seeing younger adults kind of more adopt this attitude of, well, I need to focus on my career or I need to be making money or I need to be an uh, Instagram influencer (laughs) or whatever? How are you still keeping those values intact and giving them a vision for marriage and even for dating biblically and for all of that, that maybe for their parents was more assumptive, but now culture is creeping in and threatening to kind of woo them into its direction? Well, that's a great question. So, so millennials, Gen Zers, uh, everyone that that's hearing me, you're Hispanic, you know, your mom and dad love having Sundays together and maybe go to church I totally get what you're trying to achieve uh, professionally. You're growing financially. You've come to the land of freedom. And that's something that, one, you have to cherish. Your parents have made one of the greatest efforts, and they have achieved so many things into bringing you here. That's because, number two, they have cherished the value of family. So family is one of the greatest things, and they didn't see that having a family was an obstacle to achieving and coming to this land. To achieve what you want professionally, you have to know building a family is not an obstacle to the plans that God has for you. Mm. So you're over here in the U.S. or wherever you are in the world. Yes, there's a culture that says uh, success, money, fame, Instagram, (laughs) whatever. And we kind of like that because that may be part of our job. Currently, every job maybe right now requires you have uh, certain exposure. And you have to do that part of your work, but you also have to keep loving what God loves. And God loves family. Even though you might not be married, you still can love the family. You still can build a healthy and faithful life with the Lord. And I would tell everyone, family is not an obstacle. It's something that you can have, love and cherish while reaching all the other plans that God has for you. Hmm, That's good. So let's talk a little bit about faith as well, because I think especially in um, Hispanic cultures, it's very, it can be very assumptive. And a lot of, you know, maybe our Mm -hmm. Hispanic listeners will say, no, it's cool. It's good. You know, I was baptized in the Catholic church. I've got my ticket. I checked off that box. What's your encouragement to young folks listening as far as owning their faith for themselves and not relying on something that maybe they inherited or was done in the past uh, in terms of their culture or their family? Yeah. So that's the story of my life. (laughs) Uh, I saw a Christian family. Uh, I grew up hearing my mom praying, seeing my dad preaching, seeing the Bible being a constant thing in our home. But eventually you'll have to decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about getting to know Christ is that he not only challenges the people around you, he challenges you Mm -hmm. uh, to follow him. And he's calling you. And if you think that you have all the check boxes marked like me, uh, when I was 19, eventually I knew that other people were, were having spiritual and very healthy experiences with God that I might have seen from afar for so long. But eventually I have a deep desire in my heart. I want to feel and I want to see and I want to believe and I want to live what others are living. Those people that are having a healthy and close relationship with the Lord 
They're killing it. And I see things in their lives, not that there isn't hardship or not that they're perfect, but I see something so great in them that I want to live a fulfilled life. And that's when I decided to make my own decision. Hmm. And when I took the decision to follow Christ, there were many difficult decisions that I had to make as well regarding friends, the work, uh, even what I studied. I always thought I was going to be an IT guy, uh, <laughs> making a lot of money. And I had great contacts to make that possible. But the Lord told me, like, I have great plans for you. If you're going to choose that path, I'm going to bless you. But if you choose the path that I have for you, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to be with you in very special ways that you haven't imagined before. Hmm. So that's my invitation to those that are hearing me saying, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've seen my parents do this and do that. I've seen my brothers. I've seen... Other people at church where I go to maybe once a month or once a year. But my invitation is be present, make a decision, and commit your life to know the Lord. And the most amazing experiences are going to fall, uh, maybe not that year, maybe years later. But my, my dad always said, being a Christian is never boring. Because if you're fully committed to Christ, you're always serving, you're being part of a body. You're engaged. You're not seeing from afar. You're part of the game. Hmm. And playing the game is fun. That's good. All right, Esteban, you probably weren't prepared for this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm going to ask you to give a little bit of dating advice, okay? So there's a girl, probably many girls, they're listening. Okay, guys, maybe you too. But they are like, okay, dude, I am in a Hispanic culture. I'm in a Hispanic family. My parents are in my business about dating and they are telling me I need to date this guy from their church, <laughs> but I love this guy over here and he loves the Lord, mm. but maybe he's, you know, different culture or whatever. How can they best honor their parents while still date a person that they want to date without ignoring their parents' advice or their wishes for them and still kind of keep the peace, but be respectful, but still follow what God's calling them to do. Wow. You mentioned a key word, not ignoring. So the people that love you most and that have loved you most for all of your life are your parents. Mm -hmm. So if, if they give you advice, it's because they love you. And now that I'm a parent of a baby girl, uh, and I'm like... Who's not dating yet. Yeah, <laughs> of course. She won't date like until 40 or 50. I don't know. No, just kidding. We'll see. Uh, Balmas.org. <laughs> <laughs> so hear your parents' advice. Uh, the people that love you the most, usually they want to raise the red flags for you. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Second, just take your time. For your parents, it was maybe a little bit difficult to adjust to the culture that you're in right now. Uh, for you, it's of course, it's easier. And you grew up also with social media, and it's way easier to connect with people, at least in a digital way, and find more people, uh, not only from your own culture or your own community, but outside. So give them grace, knowing that they have been, haven't been able to connect with other people like you are right now. The third is listen to your pastor. My dad always says, listen to counsel of those that love you. Listen to the counsel of those that spiritually guide you, take your time, be friends. That's that's also very good. I learned to be friends with my wife uh, at least for two years, and we were very good friends. We hanged out with people at church. We didn't want to rush in because I was I was like I was I'm so young, and I don't want to date you starting so young. If if I want to date you, I'm thinking about getting married, and I'm not sure if you want to be with me 
and I'm not sure if I want to be with you long term. So let's just be friends. Hmm. And even though we liked each other a lot, we respected the friendship boundary. Mm -hmm. And that was so important. The, the other thing that I would say is postpone as much as you can all type of sexual interaction. And what I'm meaning by sexual interaction is people, and I'm going deep right now. Mm -hmm. So people say, hey, I've started with a kiss. And friends start asking, is it healthy? Are you hugging like appropriately? <laughs> Are you too much time or you're getting alone in a distant place from where you are or from the light of people? And of course, many Christians, they kind of know they shouldn't be doing into this, into that. But you want to honor the Lord from the beginning. And one of the reasons that I told who's currently my wife, I want to be friends, is that I know that when you have a very long relationship and where, when, you're, when you're into adulting, mm -hmm. uh, you have more freedom to do tons of stuff. And I remember, like, let's be really good friends. I don't want to cross any sexual boundary that we don't want to cross. We want to honor the Lord as much as we can. And let's grow with friends that would love and give us wise counsel and that will also protect us and would hold us accountable. Like, hey, man, what you're doing is not right. Mm -hmm. So get a group that can help you hold you accountable for respecting the person that you're currently in love with and mm -hmm. respecting, loving and also helping them in growing spiritually. Okay. Well, we can't go without hearing about the work of Enfoque a la Familia and what some of the unique opportunities are that you have, as well as maybe some of the priorities looking forward, um, especially for young families and for single young adults who might be growing into families. Where do you see it going? Well, so... After we came to the States, uh, the YouTube of, of Enfoque a la Familia, if you're hearing me, you want to learn Spanish, you want to share something <laughs> with someone that knows Spanish, uh, something that can help them grow, you share them the Enfoque a la Familia YouTube channel. Because mm -hmm. that's the main channel where we're reaching all the audiences. Like young people, they look at the shorts. Older people, they might look at, at horizontal videos, like me. Uh, <laughs> I love long horizontal videos. If you're watching Boundless from whatever channel, YouTube is, is a big thing for us. So when we came to the U.S., we were like, we have nice studios over here. Focus on the Family has been leading the way for so many years. And people like you, you have been leading the way for us. And we have been learning from people like you that for decades you know how to podcast, how to reach people, how to go to events. Uh, as Hispanics coming to the U.S., we see a land of opportunity. And that's what we currently... Um, are trying to strive for in, within the Hispanic community. Let's build a YouTube channel. Let's build an Enfoque a la Familia app that you can download on your App Store or Google Play Store where people can have healthy family, faith, marriage, pre-marriage content that they can learn from. Mm -hmm. And the Hispanic family has the same struggles as the American family mm -hmm. with just that factor that they have been split mm -hmm. maybe in the immigration process coming to the U.S., and we, so, we see so many opportunities over here. We see the Hispanic church growing like crazy. We've been traveling all over the states, and we love seeing the small, the medium, the large-sized churches. We see the second family of every Hispanic that comes mm -hmm. to the U.S. Mm -hmm. because their first family is the one that they left home mm -hmm. in their home country, 
But the second family is their church. Mm. It's where they land, where they make their contacts, mm -hmm. where they're maybe they're hired by someone. The second family is where they still feel like they're like home. Mm -hmm. So coming to the U.S., going to the Hispanic churches, preaching the, the message of the family, it's been our greatest joy. And we have we hope to do it like for decades. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that is amazing, you guys. And speaking of which, we want to direct you there um, to find out more information about Enfoque a la Familia, uh, their website, the show, the YouTube channel. Go to boundless.org, search for 793. That is this week's episode. We're going to have all the links there so that you can check them out yourself. You can share them with other folks and make sure that you help us spread the word because even though you want to hang around Boundless, and that's totally cool. There are other things to learn from as well, and Enfoque is one of those. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Esteban, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a privilege for me. As we finish out the show, I'm going to open up our inbox, and we've got a short but sweet question today that I'm going to take a stab at. Our listener asks, as singles, should we be careful about watching romantic movies to guard our hearts? And uh, thanks for writing in with this question. This is a good one. Um, but I do want to say, actually, as I start this out, that I think it's very easy for us to think like, you know, we're thinking situationally about this of like, yeah, you know, I've watched romantic movies and they've been problematic for me and and whatever. But that doesn't necessarily mean that prescriptively romantic movies are bad or are inherently bad, I should say. And the reason I'm saying that is, you know, we wouldn't say like, oh, okay, well, I probably shouldn't watch the movie Steve Jobs because I might be in danger of wanting to be rich and successful, or I shouldn't watch the movie Just Mercy because I'm going to envy people who do meaningful things with their lives and careers. <laughs> so again, I think we have to look at this in context of saying, Yeah, everyone's going to have something problematic that they're going to be tempted to maybe get into a funk about or seek comparison towards or whatever. Or it could just be problematic for you spiritually or even in, um, as you're asking in this question, regarded related to your heart um, or even in your pursuit of sexual integrity or what that looks like. So that's where I think um, as we ponder this, we could probably land and give a few principles. So um, first up, you know, I do want to say that I think it is helpful, whether you're single or married, all of us need to 
guard our hearts and our lives and the type of content we consume, whatever that may be looking like. And, you know, married people certainly aren't exempt from having this be problematic. So don't feel like because you're single and you might be tempted to want a romantic relationship, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, or want marriage, which we know isn't a bad thing, um, that this is going to be uniquely difficult for you. That said, um, as I mentioned, you know, the principles around where is it causing your head and your heart to go, that's where I think you need to be careful. And so as we've talked before with our plugged in expert, Adam Holtz, and other people here on the show, anything where we find ourselves straying from what is God's best for us in terms of how we are pursuing um, what God would have us think about and focus on is going to be, um, you know, anything that, that moves us from that is going to be problematic. And so we have to be careful with that. And so for some people, it might be romantic content. For other people, it might be language or it might be, you know, uh, violence or something like that playing into that. So I do want to give um, pause here. You know, I always like bringing in a scripture when it is relevant uh, to this point. And so here, you know, probably uh, as in many other places, I like to bring up Philippians 4.8, which says, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so that should be the filter through which we make assessments of anything that we consume in terms of content. Now, again, if you're watching romantic movies and you're feeling to yourself, this is like, I just can't get enough of these. I'm putting myself in the place of these people. I'm just like finding myself longing for this or even, you know, weirdly, and I'm, I'm saying this because I feel like we can even go here, feeling like we're envying these fictitious people's situations and relationships and stuff. And we're kind of putting ourselves into stories that we know aren't even realistic or aren't even true, well, then we're ceasing to kind of live real life in the the situation that God has put us in. So we got to be careful with that. So um, that said, I would very prayerfully consider um, what that looks like for you. And sometimes it might mean just taking a break from these kind of movies for, for a time, seeing how you feel about that, seeing what happens with your head and your heart. Uh, certainly maybe doing them in community. If you're going to watch a movie as a group, do that and then discuss it and talk about what you know, what feelings have kind of come up as a result of this, where it tends to make you go um, as far as uh, wishful thinking or, or putting yourself in other someone else's shoes. Um, I think that's a helpful exercise as well. So hopefully just a few guidelines uh, as you consider this and move forward. But thank you so much for weighing in and asking that question, because I think it's somewhere that we've all been if we're not even there right now. All right, folks. Well, as always, um, we love hearing from you here at The Boundless Show. Remember to hit us up on social media, specifically on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us there. Um, as you hear the show, and especially as you see the social posts about the show, uh, make sure that you do share them because that way other people will learn about the show as well. And maybe you can even put a comment about a favorite moment of the show. And that always helps us out as well. In the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. God wants true disciples, ones that think like him, talk like him, walk like him. Disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. 
Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.